0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We learned yesterday, in the time of the temple, they used to take the lulav on each of the seven days of the festival of Sukkot. And that meant that they would take the, the lulav on Shabbat. So we have a clash. If you take the lulav, you might be undertaking all kinds of work which is forbidden on shabbat so we got a clash between sukkot and shabbat and the mishnah is going to analyze the dimensions of that clash so the first day of chag the first day of chag there's an obligation even outside the temple even outside the jerusalem even outside jerusalem to take the lulav By Yom Harishon, you have to take on the first day. So Yom Tov Rishon Shechal. Yom Tov Rishon Sh Shabbat. So the first day of the festival falls on Shabbat, and this is going to be in the Temple times when we're taking it in principle for seven days in the Temple. Kol ha'am so all the people bring their lulavs to the synagogue. Very, very interesting. We're hearing about the institution of a synagogue at the same time that the temple is standing. What are they going to do? So the next day they rise early and they come. So everybody recognizes their own lulav. So they, I wonder whether they put a mark on it. I mean, today we will put a in our shul, we put a mark or uh, we put a an etrog in a box with a mark, and we put a lulav in a case, actually with a mark. Normally we mark them with our names. So anyway, it seems to be some way they must have marked these etrog, these lulavim, so everybody understood which whose was whose. So everyone recognises own. They're not law, and they take it. Mi ein adam yotzei tov rishon a person cannot fulfill his obligation on the first day of the festival with his friend's lulav. You can't use someone else's lulav on the first day of the festival. But for the subsequent days of the festival, someone can fulfill their obligation with the lulav of a friend. So what's going on here? Well, the Rambam actually explains it. I, I thought so beautifully that sort of, I wanted to bring you the. I just wanted to bring you the text of the Rambam. In fact, let me just make. I wanted to bring you the text of the Rambam. Amar Hashem Yit Barach. The Lord said, and this is called, And this the, the Rambam very often uses this expression when he's referring to the text of the Torah. Amar Hashem Yit Barach. The Lord said. And now he's going to quote the verse that we all know, Ulukahtem Lachem, by Yom Arishon. You shall take Lachem, for yourselves, on the first day. Uva'a haKabala Lachem, Mi Shel And the tradition comes to teach that Lachem, that means for yourselves, means that which belongs to you. If he gave it as a gift... He fulfills his obligation. Even if the gift was conditional on its return. So in other words, you can say to someone, give me your lulav on the condition that I give it back to you. You can say that to someone. And you can fulfill your obligation that way. Because the principle we have, a gift given on condition that it's returned is called a gift. And it's permitted to give a gift on a festival. So the Rambam is codifying the, the kind of legal fiction that we probably still carry out in many shuls today, actually. I've seen someone giving their lulav to somebody else to fulfill the mitzvah with. And it's clear that, you know, the condition is that it's going to be given back at the end of the shaking. And yeah, the Ramam is clear. Look, a gift which is given on the basis that it's going to be given back is still a valid gift. We We need to own a lulav on Sukkot in order to shake it. But someone can temporarily give us a lulav to shake on Sukkot and we can fulfill the mitzvah that way. What if, of course, being able to transfer ownership of a lulav is not the only issue that you come onto when you're taking lulav on Shabbat? And the Mishnah continues. Actually, the, the end of the chapter deals really, uh, the end of the chapter focuses on the interplay between Shabbat and Sukkot. And Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Yossi Yomer, Yom Tov Yom when the first day of the festival falls on Shabbat. And someone forgot, and he carried his Lulav out in the public domain. So maybe he wants to carry it to Shul to shake it there, he wants to carry it to synagogue. Patur, he's exempt. He doesn't have to bring a sin offering. Because he brought it out with permission. Maybe there's a little bit of play on words here. Rashut for permission and Rashut Rabim for the public domain. Seems to be that you're exempt from a sin offering if you take out your lulav on the first day of the festival. And it's very interesting. This is during the time the temple stood. Well, clearly, because we're talking about bringing a sin offering. But after the um after the destruction the rabbis actually did make a takana uh, an ordinance that people should not take lulav on shabbat and that is pretty much our practice today we don't take lulav on sukkot when on, on shabbat because the rabbis are concerned that we are going to carry in the public domain even when it's the first day and it's very interesting here's a mitzvah deraita mitzvah from the Torah on the first day and the rabbis will set it aside on Shabbat because of a fear that people will come to carry in the public domain. And some of the commentators who are particular will point out that, of course, if you've picked up your lulav to carry it in the public domain, even before you get out of your house, you probably already fulfilled the mitzvah of lulav unless you're carrying it very carefully with the etrog upside down or in some other way because of course as soon as you pick up your lulav to carry it out but you in that way you're deright, at least you're fulfilling the mitzvah of lulav um, straight away what about when the lulav comes back a woman or maybe a wife, a woman, may receive from her son or from her husband. And she must be receiving a lulav here. And put it back in water on Shabbat. It sounds as though they used to keep the lulav sitting in a, in a jar of water on Shabbat. Uh, throughout the festival, actually, to keep it nice and wet. The first thing we learned, actually, is that a dry lulav is not kosher, And... It seems as though, I mean, we're learning a little bit about household roles, but it seems as though a man might come back with his lulav and give it to his wife, and she would put it back in the water for him, even though, actually, strictly speaking, she's not obligated in the mitzvah of, of lulav. Rabbi Yudah says, V'Shabbat machsirin, <laughs> Biyom tov mosifin, uv'mo'ed machlifin. Rabbi Yudah says on Shabbat one can put it back. That is to say put it back in the water. On a festival one may add. And I think he means topping up the water here. Where you can top up the water. And over Moed on the intermediate days. Machlifim. We can change the water completely. We're not going to change the water on a festival. We're just going to top it up. And finally. Katan. and l'naneah. Hayav. But, Lulav, as soon as a miner knows how to shake, he is obligated in the Lulav. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.